You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello, Internet friends. This is Ryan Nanny from the Shutdown Fullcast, where we are running a charity drive to help victims of the recent hurricanes in Texas, Florida, Puerto Rico, and other parts of the Caribbean. How can you get involved? Great question. Go to bit.ly slash fullcast2017 bit.ly slash fullcast2017. Learn about the charities where you can help the victims of these terrible storms. And even better, if you give money, you can force us to say pretty much anything you want because we're easily suggestible and we're committed to charity and also we're bad at making good decisions. Take advantage of that. Go to bit.ly slash fullcast2017. We're only collecting donations through the end of September. So go, go, go. Donate right now. Give us all your money, and then we'll say dumb things. That's kind of what we do all the time anyway. Don't worry about that. Hi, welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. Today's show is the Washington Wizards season preview, a preview that's always near and dear to our hearts because, well, I'm Ben, and I'm joined by Mike, but Mike got to be a fan today. He didn't have to be the co-host of this podcast. He got to be a Washington Wizards fan. One of my favorite ways to, to talk to Mike is when he puts his fan cap on. But we also were able to have Andrew Sharp from Sports Illustrated and Mike Sykes from SB Nation and from Bullets Forever join us as well. They are aficionados, uh, wealth of information between everybody here when it comes to the Wizards and a lot of emotions when it comes to this particular team. A fun team, a team that was pretty good last year with 49 wins, and we try to set expectations for this year as well as, honestly, just decouple a really, really talented group of guys and really what that means for the future of the franchise. Not a whole lot of roster moves, but we're looking for some uh, evolution in the players that are currently on it. But we get into that. It's a long podcast, but bear with us. Every minute is worth the listen. Uh, Before you listen to it, though, this is a podcast that's part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Um, There's a lot of great podcasts that are a part of that. Uh, I encourage you to go look for that. Google us, find us on Spotify, find us on iTunes, um, find us on Apple Podcasts, espionation.com, backslash MBA is also where you can find Limited Upside. But check out all those great Vox Media podcasts. And and for us specifically, if you could subscribe, rate, review, all those good things we ask for. We love the feedback. You'll see today we got to like 10 different questions that we got uh, from Twitter. Our listeners ask great questions. They help us move the plot of these uh, previews along. And, and ultimately, you guys are the fans of the teams. We're just fans of the game. So we love getting those questions. Um, you can always send those to MikePreda at SBNation.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at SBN at Limited underscore Upside, and at EpiBen. This was the Washington Wizards season preview. We had Andrew Sharp, Mike Sykes, and Mike Prada all giving us their Washington Wizards fandom for like a quality hour and 20 minutes. So sit back and enjoy. Continue the drive that you're on, whatever it is, however you're listening to this, and enjoy the Limited Upside podcast. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. We're doing our summer previews, and we are finally here. We are at the Washington Wizards, the team that is near and dear to my co-host here, Mike Prada. Mike, how's it going? I'm good. It's uh, it's kind of late in the calendar, isn't it? It, it is. They must we be a good team. We do this worst to first, yeah, right? Yeah. So, ergo, 
Ergo, they're a pretty good team. And Mike is not going to be hosting this one. Mike is putting his fan cap on. And joining him will be Andrew Sharp from Sports Illustrated, formerly of Grantland, and Mike Sykes, SB Nation contributor, Bullets Forever contributor, uh, overall Washington Wizards aficionado. He's been on here before. Both these guys have. So we have three great Wizards fans, people who follow the team closely. And I guess the best place to start is this is an interesting team. They were successful last year by most definitions of the word. I want to know what the mood of the fan base is right now, though. Coming off of last year, a seven-game uh, defeat in the, uh, I guess it was the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs against Boston. So I want to see what the mood is now, and we can use last year to pivot off of where we feel and how we feel now. Uh, and ultimately, there's a lot going on with this franchise. They are an interesting team, but they haven't made many roster moves so then there's not a so, lot going on with this Well, there's franchise. a lot going on that has not a little less to do with the <laughs> roster composition and more to do with what you expect to be the next jumps in the players who are there. A young team that's basically cap-strapped into this is the roster. So, with that in mind, with a long setup there, yeah, what's geez. the mood of the fan base, Sharp? You, you start off, Sykes, you go next, and pray to cap it off. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be here with Van oh Prada today. I love this. <laughs> put put the put the clips away. Just put on your Wizards hat. We're gonna get full on uh, super fan here. That's always fun. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> as far as the mood, though, uh, I think I would say cautiously optimistic. That's and been like the answer for like seven of these podcasts, it. by that the way. Was literally, my <laughs> well, answer. <laughs> it's like. First of all, the mood of the fan base, most of the fan base doesn't start paying attention until April. So like among the literally dozens of Wizards fans who actually care right now, I think cautious optimism is where we're at. Because look, like you, you, Mike, you kind of made fun of them not making any moves and that's legitimate. But I also think that the, there's a real chance that this is an ascendant group of stars that we have here, and everybody c- could and probably should get better, and that's exciting. And like, if you look at Bradley Beal over the final three or four months of last year's season, I mean, he was a flat-out all-star, like borderline one of the two, two or three best shooting guards in the league. And so I want to see if we can put that together for an entire year. Um, and I, it's, I feel good about it, but then at the same time, like, I, feeling good about the Wizards is always like the first red flag that something <laughs> horrible is about to happen. You got to take the blue pill and just jump. I think that's the way to do it. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, that's where I am. <laughs> Sykes, you were going to say uh, cautiously optimistic as well. Yes, if, if you so, had to pivot, what would you say? Uh. <laughs> I don't really have a pivot, honestly. I, yeah, I would say most pi- yeah, then. Yeah, double, I mean, right, people. Fine. Are, double down, double down. People are consciously optimistic about this team. Like the, this team was a really weird team to watch last year because like they had these stretches where they were amazing. They were one of the best two or three teams in the league, right? Like they had that um what was it like a, a fifteen game home winning streak? Yeah. Or something like that in in the middle of the winter. And then like a few weeks later, they're um, having to come back from double-digit leads um, against, like, the the Timberwolves and the Trailblazers and teams like that. Teams with, like, stars, but, like, they're not very good, right? And and um, and that one weird-ass Suns, that, that Suns game, like, that, that game was super weird. But, like, th- there were just moments where, like, this team just looked like it didn't know what it was doing. It didn't belong in the NBA at times and and like so you, you you're kind of you're hoping that you see that 
great team um, from them next year. But like it, there's no there's no guarantee with them. So I think the the optimism like it, it's warranted. But at the same time, like people are still pretty lukewarm about the team. One because traditionally, like that we just talked about it, they're the Wizards, right? Like they're a team that people don't really care about in um, in this area. Two, um, you know, they their history shows that they can't really be trusted that much, right? Like we we've seen the Wizards be good before, and then seen all that kind of shatter into nothingness behind like Gilbert Arenas' knee. Or, um, you know, different stuff like that. And and so, like, people people are like, you know, they're, they're just really lukewarm about the team, right? Like, it, it's it, – and it's fine. Like, they should be. But hopefully hopefully everything works out. So is that, is that caution based upon historical results? A little bit of both, I think. Yeah. You know, the, the, the historical results and then just the, the inconsistency of the team um, from last season. Well, I was saying this on another show. It's like they almost had four seasons last year in one. You know, they had the horrible start. They had like a stretch where they were winning games but not looking all that impressive. They had that 17-game stretch where literally the only team better than them was the Warriors. And then just they were plus oh, – sorry, here comes a nerd stat here. They were like a plus <laughs> 11. Go. They were like a plus 11 point something. Yeah, I know, for that 17-game stretch. And then, like, they went back to being, like, kind of, like, bullshitting their way through a bunch of wins. And then, so they had four seasons in one, you know. And so it's kind of weird to figure out what team this is. So I think it's, the mood is sort of like when you are looking at something that you know you want to get involved in, but all you can think about is how the scenario might fail. That's like 20 words, man. Come on. One word, Mike. You, you bring every guest. Every guest comes on and they're like cautiously optimistic with a, with a hyphen. And Mike's like, that's two words. And he's like, I think the mood is more of an analogy to... <laughs> well, they already used the words. <laughs> uh, it's uh, coptimistic. <laughs> there you go. Good, good. Well, so let's, let's kind of unpackage that... that four seasons thing you were just talking about there. Let's take a big picture look. Let's have a conversation now about this was, again, a 49-33 and 33 team. 49 wins is, is pretty good. Um, Mike was saying before the pod, we were just chatting, he's like, wow, 49 wins. That's, it's kind of hard to go up from there. You'd have to be you know, a successful by the, ter- the definitions of being a top four team, likely making it to the Eastern Conference Finals in order to progress past where they were last season. It should be noted to most wins they've had since 1979. Last year. Yes. Wow. Yep. Holy cow. So with, with that in mind, like, what is the team and organization's like, next step, Mike? Wh- which of those four seasons last year, and pray to let you start this one off here, you know, what did you see in, in, I guess, the best part of those four seasons from last year that you want to see kind of extrapolated through an entire season this year? The difference in the 17-game stretch they had where they were incredible, and I'm not saying they should reasonably expect to be that good, mm-hmm. but the difference was that for 17 games that year, last year they played defense, and for the other 65, they kind of didn't. And they could always score. They always were a really great offensive team. And it's just a matter of, like, will they try hard enough on defense to make up for They were just too inconsistent in that area mm-hmm. last year. So if you're looking for an area of growth, it would be to maintain your offense. It's just like, I know this is a pretty nitty-gritty answer, uh, but, you know, that's really the difference. So if they want to 
Go to because I think like again they made Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year, so they were on the doorstep of the second, second round. round. And so you're right. The only way to progress is to actually. Sorry, one win away from Eastern. Yeah, Conference yeah. Finals. Sorry, it's okay. The only way to progress is to make the Eastern Conference Finals, which means that they honestly, if they want to get better, and we can talk a little bit about like whether almost getting better is like really the the goal of the season, mm-hmm. which is sort of a whole another interesting topic to me. But if they want to get better, they uh, they have to be one of Boston, Cleveland, and to do that, they've got to defend consistently. And they have personnel issues there, but they also did it for 17 games, and so that means that they should be able to do it. If they maybe not for 82, but for hopefully more than 17. That was kind of <laughs> the one disappointing thing about last year. Yeah, I mean, I guess my question then would be, or the next logical question is, are ex- are expectations higher or lower this year? You know, it's a good question. You know, I guess I, it depends who you ask. Like, I'm curious what you guys, uh, Sharp and Sykes, think because to me, my expectations are like last year can't be a flash in the pan, right? Like, so we've seen too many times when this team has kind of gone up, and what I want to see is staying power um, in a way that I don't think we've really seen with any organization. Yeah. And but to me, like if they. I, I'm not looking at um, failing to make the conference finals as a failure. What I what I want to see, especially given the that Wall is now under contract for six years, Beal for four more years, Porter for four more years, is that they gotta they need staying power. And so uh, if they win, if they're like talked about in a certain tier of the league more consistently than just for a few games last year, and then you know all that, that to me I think is managing expectations. But I don't know if that's an opinion other Wizards yeah. fans share. Like, do other fans want to see them actually kind of be in the really be in the Boston Cleveland conversation or not? Yeah, and I want I want to tee this off um, to Sharp here, which is that you know we mentioned how the roster didn't really turn over, but that ultimately you know this is a roster ripe for guys to progress and take a next step. I mean, you're talking about Wall is 27, yeah. um, you know Porter, Ubre, they're 23, 24 years old, something in that range. Beal is also 23, 24, whatever it may be. So they're they're young. There are steps to be made to make this sitting roster better. So with that in mind, are your expectations higher or is like Mike said, staying power the end game? Um yeah, my expectations are higher as far as like the big picture convo. Um it's it's tricky because I think you can't read you shouldn't read too much into last season um, or it shouldn't be looked at as like a 100 percent success, because if we're going back and being honest, like they should have beaten Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, they had more talent and they didn't have the bench, which is its own issue. Um, <clears throat> I think they might have. I, I'm, I actually think Tim Frazier is going to be a big difference maker in terms of getting Wall some real rest over the course of the season, and they're going to need they're going to need to play their starters less than they did last year because that's just not sustainable two years in a row. Mahinmi is going to have to be like a legitimate factor this year, and he wasn't at all last year really. Um, and I think the rotation in general over the final like two months of the season and the playoffs, like it was just sort of a mess and they were kind of figuring it out as they went. Uh, but the expectations should be higher this year because look like they're only going to get better if they like the conference finals are, are the goal. If they don't make the conference finals this year is a failure. And if they do, then it's a success. And, but the only way that this team like takes the next step is to prove that they really belong 
among those contenders. And, and that's how they're going to pr- hopefully theoretically get one more player here, uh, one more star, because if, if you're not going to have a team that goes eight or nine deep with solid, uh, solid contributors, which I don't think we are at this point, given how top heavy the roster is, you need three legit stars and they have two right now. Yeah, and some guys who could be like the perfect glue compensatory parts to those three stars. And and I guess Sykes, my my question for you is, and this is a question we got uh, from Twitter here from Ben Becker, a good one. Um, how do you value uh, relative to Cleveland and Boston, who had massive roster turnover? How do you value the continuity that the Wizards are taking from last year into this year in terms of uh, you know collective understanding of what you did last year and how you improve it? camaraderie, all those different things that you know, ultimately matter. Chemistry is important, but how much do you value that um, from last year to this year compared to those, you know, the top two in the competition bracket there, which would be Cleveland and Boston? So I want to say that I, I value it a lot, right? But like, I honestly don't really know how much to value it at this point because I, I don't really know what the roster is going to produce this year. And like, that's kind of a cop-out answer, but at the same time, like I feel like they had the the top end of their team is is relatively the same, right? Like they're bringing back the same starting lineup. They're bringing back Otto Porter. Um, Kelly Oubre is going to be somewhere in this rotation, right? And and then they have the um the the health issues with Marquise Morris, right? But like the, the bench was the biggest issue that they had last year, and they changed up a lot with that. So like. The continuity is there on one end, but it's not on the other. And I, I feel like they're going to have to kind of mix their rotations in a way um, to kind of combat that this season. So, like, I, I think it, it it definitely helps to um, you know keep the same starting lineup uh, moving along. And, and they had one of the best starting lineups in the league last year um, in, in terms of net rating. But at the same time, I, I still worry about the um, – one, the, the changes in, in two, the lack of talent on the bench. And I, I don't know if continuity is really a cure for that. They they seem to believe that it is, but but like I'm I'm not 100% sure. Also, their starting lineup is going to be not in use for, what, a month because of Markeith Morris's injury? Right. So yeah. there's also yeah. that. I mean, you and- always price in an extra couple of weeks with whatever the timetable is. So let's, yeah. let's count on Marquise playing Christmas Day and start from there. All right. yeah, we, had yeah. a, we had a great tweet from Silent Planet who says, does an inanimate carbon rod play four until Keith gets back? Um, anytime we get a six, uh, yeah, Simpsons reference, I read it. So thank you for Shout that question. Shout out to the Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to the Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, my take on the continuity thing is, it. first of all, we did not want continuity on the bench. <laughs> We did not right. want to see Brandon Jennings and Boyan. Boyan was good for two weeks and then didn't make a shot and didn't guard anyone for the rest of the Wizards season. But kept so shooting. He, miss, though. he could not miss when he first got here. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, and it was amazing. It was great. And I'm happy that he got paid. He did the equivalent of, like, um, if you want to go to a party and you know you're leaving within 10 minutes, you show up, you do something crazy so everyone remembers it and you leave. And that's basically what he did. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm on the Wizards and now. Here's three. Three great weeks of do you, shooting. Do and you I'm know out. this from experience? 
experience? No, I've never done that before. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I had a great time with the first 10 minutes of your wedding. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> just kidding. I was there the whole time. Wow. Hey, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so it was a great cocktail ca- hour then. <laughs> yes. I think that the continuity, it's sort of like an empty cliche that they are using to sell the an off-season where nothing really changed. Which is actually so on that level, it's possible to be really cynical about the value of it. But I think the real value is that you look at the teams they're going to be competing against. And it's not that continuity is a strength for the Wizards, but like the Celtics are going to have a lot of issues over the first five months of the season trying to figure out who's going to guard. If they're going to try to play Jalen Brown 30 minutes a game, like that's going to be a mess because he's not that much different from Ubre. And like they're, the competition around the East is weaker than it seems. And I think that will end up working in the Wizards' favor if if Washington can stay healthy. It's not like they said, I mean, I guess they sort of, not by choice, but by necessity had to say like, yeah, we, we're going to, our strategy is to keep the team together. No, it wasn't their strategy. They had no <laughs> yeah, choice. That was no. the only move on the board. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> It's not like their strategy was, well, if we keep our team together and we watch the two contenders decide to, you know, have the second star want out and trade with each other, like, that's not a strategy. That's sort of just how it worked. Uh, The net effect is that it might matter quite a bit in that, I mean, it kind of better, but also, like, like Andrew said, they they will have a head start, and they kind of the only way I think that they were really going to beat those two teams in the playoffs is if they have home court somehow, and if they get hit yeah. the ground running, which is why the Marquise injury is so difficult. Um, I do think that like if you look at it from a larger perspective, like yeah, continuity is the strategy in that they they're investing in their star players for long periods of time, yeah, like very long periods of time, so. Continuity in the sense of like giving the the region like sort of like an understanding of this is what the franchise is, whether they're successful or not, is sort of definitely the strategy. As far as continuity on the court, like I'd feel better about it if Marquise Morris was healthy. <laughs> that kind of killed your continuity right there. <laughs> on the Marquise front, one thing that actually works in the Wiz's favor is like for the first time, the schedule for the first six weeks actually is is pretty manageable for them and this might be the first wizard season of the last like 10 years where they don't start out with like completely disappointing and underwhelming next to expectations and like killing my soul in november so they Are might be able to, to avoid that, that. <laughs> absolutely <I'm> not, not. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not but i'm just saying the schedule might help a little bit i have a Bigger picture question that I want to circle back to. Do you think the Wizards are playing for this year? Uh, yeah, I think they should be, right? I mean, they, See, need, I to, they need to show people that they can they, they can do more than what they were last year. Because last year, like, they'd been, they'd been to that level before, and it wasn't really a breakthrough, even though it was sort of – it was treated as such around D.C. Right. They, they made it as far as the talentless Sixers did against the Celtics when they lost in seven in the second round. Yeah, Many years ago. I kind of agree, and I kind of also think that when you look at what they're really trying to do, which is, like, be relevant, ultimately, that's kind of yeah. what their goal is. Like, yeah. 
you know, I went down there and talked to Ted. You've talked to all those people. You know, the first thing you hear from them is that we want to be a team that people are talking about. We want to be a national TV team. You don't necessarily hear we want to win the championship. You yeah. know, it's sort of like a byproduct of a certain – you reach a certain status. So if mm-hmm. that's if that's like kind of the, the goal, last year I do think was a breakthrough. I know that they ultimately didn't get – Further, to, I mean, they technically did. They got one game further than they ever have. But yeah, I know what you, you would say. Like, and they were only like three games better than they were two years ago. But it, it felt a little more like kind of we're see, we're kind of breaking through to the point where we matter. And so yeah. if that's the goal of the year, and it's we've got a core of a twenty-seven-year-old, a twenty-four-year-old, and a twenty-four-year-old all locked up for at least four years and LeBron might leave the conference and all of that, then maybe you could make the – that's sort of where I'm coming from with, like, does it really matter? How much does this year really matter? Like, to me, this is a year where you really cement your status in the have group, and then maybe next year once LeBron leaves is when you go forward. So I don't know. I, I think it, it could be a little yeah. bit of both. Like, they, I almost think that what, what would be a real disaster is if they step back one half step uh, – to where they're in the five, six seed range and in the low forties, then it's like, yeah, now you're that's, there's a really fine line there. And, you know, if, but if they repeat last year, I honestly think that would be a success in the larger goal, but hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm being too like, maybe I'm thinking this way too much by their standards of what something should be than what the actual well, real life standards should be for expectations. Yeah. I mean, Sykes, Sykes, I want to get your opinion here. You wrote a piece for bullets forever. It's, it's titled the wizards are ready to be the rock of the Eastern conference. I mean, what does that mean? Talk, talk me through that. I, I mean, I, I read this, but talk this through for the, for the listeners. So yesterday at media day, the, Everyone was just talking about the the continuity, what, what they were bringing back, how they you know managed to retain Porter, how they signed Wall to the extension this season. Like right? they they're looking kind of at the at the future of the team as we have our three core players that we're going to b- build around moving forward, and we're going to continue to to improve this team as everything else around us is is in chaos, right? Like the the Cavs just traded Kyrie Irving. And the Celtics just traded Isaiah Thomas, right? The 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 Raptors are are they're they're the Raptors, right? Like they're gonna mm-hmm. fall off at some point. We all we all think they're gonna fall off at some point. They're so, the Raptors. Like, like that's going to happen. You, <laughs> I, mean, I know what it, you mean. I know what you mean. I'm 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 it's right. no, they don't they don't scare anybody. Right. Right, exactly. They I mean, when when your your first home game in the first round and then maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll be scared. But but no, I mean no, so that I mean, the way that they see themselves, right, is as this, um, you know, this this picture of consistency in the conference now, which is kind of the the totally the, the total opposite of what they've been traditionally, right? Like the Wizards have always been a team who has like been in shambles, you know, at, at the start of the year, and I mean, I, they kind of are now with the Markeith Morris injury, right? But like they're not panicking over that. Because they've they've played together and they feel like they've been down this road before. So, um, the the way that I thought of it was kind of as as the rock of the conference. You know, even though like the Raptors, they retained a bunch of players too. But like, they're still the Raptors. So. <laughs> the the fear yeah. I have the fear I have is that being the rock of the conference, there, there's a very it's, there's not much of a difference between being the rock of the conference and. Um, the pebble that's underneath the rock, but or like the smaller rock right underneath the rock. 
you know, very true. I don't know wow. exactly if that analogy worked. So it's like, <laughs> like there's a very fine line between being a 49 win team, being a 49 win team versus honestly a 41 win team. I mean, that's eight wins, but that made yeah. such a huge difference. But it's so easy to slip back. Yeah, to but that Sharp, level. Sharp had mentioned this in a previous comment though, which is the conference got a lot worse around. There are so many more bunny wins now than even there were last year. Like a lost Indiana the yeah. schedules though. Yeah, but there's just some much weaker teams. I mean, realistically, and this is if you think that the Bucks and the Sixers are going to be like playoff teams that are tough. The Bucks for sure, but like the back end of even the Eastern Conference playoff teams are teams that the Wizards shouldn't lose to more than once this season. You would think. Right. Well, <laughs> I would also say the the thing as far as media day and what what Wizards players are saying, um, like I understand where they're coming from, and I think athletes have to be confident, and it's good that the Wizards are confident and. I, but I also think that there's a national perspective that's more cynical, that's that has a fair point, which is that like these guys have been way too impressed with themselves at every stage of the of the rebuilding process, and are like like go out and prove it before you start talking about being the rock of the conference, and uh, and so that's why like I. I'm cautious about my optimism this year because I think everything they said is right as at, at media day. And, the, and that's like it, they should be more confident than the Raptors coming into this season and feel like this is, this is their conference. But I, I totally understand people who are like, eh, let's, let's wait and see with these guys because we've had some false starts in the past. It goes all the way back to the players saying that they should have beaten Boston and all of that. Yeah, like, I don't mean, say a, that, man. It's sort of the same idea. <laughs> right. There's right. a little bit of a kind of we've arrived a little early, yeah. which is why I yeah. kind of think that lit consists to be to that the rock is actually something you want to ascribe to being in the sense that if you are if you prove that you're a rock of the conference it's actually kind of a, a success in its own right yeah and that's sort or of what, yeah. if you're talking about beating boston say it say yeah we should have beaten boston i can't believe we let that get away from us don't say it like it's cool that you should have beaten boston right and ultimately we all knew you should have beaten boston right and like even in saying we should have beaten boston how good does that make you of a team considering last year yeah. that after that boston went and got rocked by by cleveland look yeah. Boston would have lost the Bulls if Rondo had stayed healthy. <laughs> right, so it's not that impressive. It's true. They, they don't give you a trophy for being the almost winner. Yeah, I, or right. the pebble under the rock. But I'll say this. <laughs> like a terrible analogy. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. We'll get wow, better that was bad. We've only done like 200 of these podcasts. Our analogies suck. Um, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> with that in mind. That no, might I, be the title of the podcast. <laughs> Are the Wizards the rock or the pebble under the rock? <laughs> and, oh my I will say this. like From a national perspective, without being a fan of the team but but you know someone who's watched a fair amount of wizards being a, a co-host with mike here um i'll say this I, they are a fun team to watch and i think the national perspective also does have a little bit of a positive you know uh, inflection here too which is people want to watch wall they're still very curious about how good beal is and ultimately if you watch the last two months of last season you probably think he's really good and, and he is um, in spurts tremendous uh, like you mentioned uh, sharp one of the you know three or four best twos in the league on the short list for sure um 
And then there's this the fascination with guys like Ubre and Porter who feel like they should be the next wave of NBA superstar in body build, uh, in three-point ability, um, in athleticism, and, and ultimately in kind of being like a blank slate um, of basketball tools. And you, you look at them as, as they could have four or five tools that you're looking for um, from your third or fourth best player. Obviously, Porter just got paid, and there's a lot of questions from from our listeners for you guys, about Kelly Oubre. He might be the most topical non-superstar for any fan base that we've done in these previews. So I, I want to get all of your impressions here. And, and, and Sykes, you were at Media Day. I'm sure there was a lot of chatter about what people are expecting from Oubre and ultimately what he's expecting from himself, uh, from himself for, for the next step in, in his career. So, uh, And we got questions here from, from Jonathan Robinson and from TM Morning and from a bunch of people. And we always appreciate these questions, so keep sending them. That's... Uh, at limited underscore upside. But uh, what is the next step for Ubre? What do you expect this year? Talk me through like what you want to see and what ultimately he said about himself yesterday uh, for where that progression comes from. For this year, I feel like he should be a, a very common fixture in the ro- rotation, especially now that um, you know Markeith Morris is is injured uh, and, and will be injured probably until around Christmas Day. Um, I think... A, a reasonable expectation for him this year is is probably like coming in off the bench, playing maybe um, twenty to twenty two minutes a game, giving you some good defense, making threes thirty five percent of the time. I would say, hopefully, hopefully he can improve to that. If he doesn't, then he probably isn't going to play that much, and my prediction won't matter. But um, I mean that that would be that would be a very good season for Uber. Like even if it's around like 32, 33% from three, like as long as he's a threat um, from out there in, in the smallest capacity, like I, I think that's a good season for him. Um, he, he kind of expects the same thing. He's not, <clears throat> excuse me. He's not really sure what, um, you know, what role he'll have um, this season in terms of um, how many minutes he'll get, um, especially with, uh, with the Morris injury, like they haven't determined who's going to, um, to, to start, who's going to play in that role. But um, Scott Brooks talked about it yesterday. He's going to play that, um, that small lineup with Porter and, and Ubre, um, and, and with along with Wall and Beal. And, and that was a really good lineup um, for the Wizards last year. It just was really underplayed. And, and part of the reason for that was because of their lack of size. They would get killed on the boards every time they played it. So I, I expect to see a lot more of that lineup this season. And if Ubre can, um, you know, stretch the floor and play pretty good defense on um, three, sometimes fours, I, I think we'll, we'll see a lot of it. I guess the bigger question I have is, is less percentage based and, and ultimately Maybe this becomes the, that roster composition question, but like, is that best lineup for the Wizards a lineup with the four of those guys, with Porter, Beal, Wall, and Ubre, and then whomever you want to put at the five, probably Markeef at playing if it, a small lineup. Is that the best roster or best lineup? And Sharp, you tell me what you prefer to see at the end of a game against Boston in April, if do, you will. Do you guys want to see hear more nerdy stats, or you want to just continue on? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, hit, hit us with us the nerdy stats. Yeah, go, go like, with the nerdy stats, and then we'll let the color year, commentary come on top. Yeah, um, last year, the uh, I probably should have these queued up before I <laughs> say we're, we're giving them. Last year, the lineup of Beal, Oubre, Porterwall, and Gortat played 200 minutes and was 
uh, had an offensive rating of 117.6, which would be by far the best in the league. A defensive rating of 100.2, both of those numbers better than that great starting lineup. In fact, double that great starting lineup (laughs) for a net rating of 17.4, plus 17.4 when that unit played. Uh, 200 minutes, that's all they played. Uh, They had a true shooting percentage of 60.4, which is scorching in that time. Um, And then again, that is with uh, Gortat in the starting lineup. Now, with that nerdy number out of the way, (laughs) would someone else like to continue? Yeah, go ahead, Sharp. So (laughs) now that we know what the actual statistically best lineup would be, what do you want to see? (laughs) Um, All right. So the Oubre conversation is tricky for me because I really love his place on the team. Like, I, I love what he brings to the locker room. He's funny. He's a great personality, uh, fits with everything the Wizards have been over the last like 15 years. Um, like at Media Day, he was talking about how other guys think they have the best fashion in the league, but they all have stylists and he does it by himself. Um, <laughs> so, Self-made. Which is a, fair, a completely fair point. You know, Kelly is doing his thing um, as as a player. I think we should all be in wait and see mode. Uh, like I see a lot of wizard fans talk about Ubre as if his progress is, is only a matter of time. And I don't see it. Like he's not super, um, heady on the court. And, uh, a lot of times has looked lost out there. And I think like, I would say probably one out of every five games, Ubre looked like a future starter and the other four games, he would just be kind of, either spacey on defense or spacey on offense. And so I don't know if he factors into the future for them. I, I think that there's the, the like one of the best scenarios would be for him to play just well enough this year to become a real trade asset. And yeah. then they flip him. Um, and maybe that if the, the flip side though, is that look like he, he does fit with everything the NBA values most right now. Um, cause he can guard multiple positions and he can fit at, at three positions on offense. And if you're going small, so like I see, I see what people want him to be and he can sometimes do, do that for the wizards, but I also don't necessarily look at him as like a, a piece of the nucleus that we're going to need to hold on to. Well, you can talk about how heady he was by uh, noting what he did to Kelly Olynyk and pushing him and getting <laughs> well, in trouble there. And I, I know he was provoked, but that is sort of the thing, you know. Like he, I'm loyal to him forever after that, though. That's why I'm conflicted because right. I love that. But, <laughs> yeah, but oh, he he didn't play tough. very much after that either. Yeah, in the series. Yeah, and I don't know whether that was Brooks saying, "Look, we can't trust you," or whether he. I mean. It came out a couple weeks after the playoffs that that Ubre was nursing an injury uh, over the final stretch, so maybe that was part of it as well. But I mean, he definitely like when Ubre is playing his best and is locked in, like he he gives them a, di- a dimension that is really important, and particularly last year when like the bench was just a disaster, a wasteland. Like we need we needed Ubre. Yeah, uh, one more nerdy step, by the way. In only 52 minutes, <laughs> the lineup of Beal, Ubre, Poor, Wall, and Morris had an offensive rating of 128, 
That's the one I mentioned. That's wow. the ultimate small. One hundred twenty-eight. I mean, that's a net the rating of twenty-two point can... four. You didn't see it that much though, because, like Sharp said, Uber it needs to be trusted. Yeah, and he was for. I mean, a lot of these stats were piled up in that seventeen-game stretch where they were amazing. You know, right. that's sort of the other thing as well. Um, to but me, like, Ubre is interesting only more for what he represents. Well, like, is that uh, Mike of those two lineups you just mentioned that had crazy peripherals there? Which one do you think is the optimal lineup to go against the Tristan Thompson-centered Cleveland Cavaliers or the you know Horford? I'm, I guess will be you know plays smaller than I mean, he actually is centered. More, the Morris one is the best lineup, but yeah. it all depends on Ubre. You know mm-hmm. he has to. Um, be able to graduate to a certain level, and that's yeah. what I think he represents to a lot. It's more about what he represents to the whole organization and to the import. It's his importance. Sure, like Sharp said, it's not. He sort of makes them more dynamic and more gives them more upside right. in a way that the rest of the roster, you know, it's kind of locked in to what it is, and you know, it's a fun locked in, and you know, there's still some room for improvement on the 24 year olds and. I can't believe we haven't talked at all about Wall and Beal and how awesome they oh, were. We yet. We're uh, saving a special segment. For this. Um, <laughs> but um, but he, it's what he represents. You know, he's the he's sort of the way to to kind of jump into the upper echelon from uh, whether it it be him or or like Sharp said by trade, which I would imagine would have to happen this year because then he becomes a restricted free agent yeah. after next year. So, well, so yeah. so do you think that there is potential? And anybody you know jump in here for him to take a similar type leap that Porter made last year? I wouldn't say that high, but I think I mean what what the key will be is that he needs to be good enough so that they can play those lineups yeah. more often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, those are their best lineups, but they they are those numbers need to be evaluated in a certain level of context. That happened because Kelly Oubre proved himself to be trustworthy sure. in a way to be played, not because you know of the configuration of the lineup as much. So yeah. it's that happened because. Of you know when those lineups played, it was when Uber was playing well, and when they didn't, it wasn't. So he needs to be more consistent to the point where you can trust those lineups more often because those are that team. Th- those lineups are they space the floor the best, they get out in the open floor the best, they have an actual perimeter stopper in theory instead of Porter who kind of pretends to be. Yeah, and so they have all the elements of what a really good lineup is uh, to play the way they want to play, which is basically wreak havoc on defense and grab the rebound and push like that's right. that's their game but Ubre doesn't play at that level all the way if he can do that more often then that's really encouraging and I think that's why he's actually quite important all right I got to throw in one quick question before we do a nice 10 15 minutes on just Beal and Wall uh we had damn it's a long time we have we had we'll see how long it goes we we um we got a number of asks that had to do with and I'll, I'll tie this to Ubre's potential trade value um but if the Pelicans tank and we know that Wall and Boogie Cousins are not just friends from their Kentucky days, but are friends oh, outside good. of the I'm court. I'm excited for this topic because Sharp and I disagree on this. Uh, fantastic. I'm going to let Sharp <laughs> have the first bat then at this. Um, I'm excited for this one. Yeah. Is that a deal that you could see the team for not just doing, but like something that you want as a fan to see? Would you like to see a reunion of Boogie and Wall um, come trade deadline time this year? Uh, wait, so, all right. So the question is, should we trade for Boogie? Yeah. We'll just say like Ubre conversation got us here but he doesn't have to be a part of the deal the idea is that should you guys get that you mentioned a third star right and could that be the guy uh first of all definitely um (laughs) now the there are a couple things to consider here Uh, the wizards are not the only team that's going to be going after boogie 
which is scary because I, I know the Mavs are going to be in the mix. I could also see people keep sleeping on the possibility of the Rockets trying to steal Boogie. Uh, wow. And he would make that a lot of sense for that. Ooh, I don't so wow. there's there's just a lot in play. But the Wizards, should, first of all, for basketball fans generally, it would be great to have Boogie in the in the East where he would turn into a god overnight. Um <laughs> And the Wizards should be doing this, which isn't to say that I think it would definitely work, but it's the one it like Wall's only going to be at this level for another three or four years. So you got to go all in while he's while he's a a truly elite player. And I'll be I'll be really bummed out if they don't. Um, And like as far as a trade, give them Gortat, give them Ubre, give them Otto Porter if he'll sign off on it. Like just make this happen. Um, and I'll put it to you guys this way: if you could get if you could get Boogie for uh, for Gortat, Ubre, and three first round picks, would you do it? No. Really? <laughs> I would no. Do it. No. I'm just I'm not a big boogie. Sykes fan. is on Team Sharp. I, I'm just all right. Um, I'll say I'll say this. Like my, I I I talked this over with a NBA front office person, and he was like, "Look, it's either that or you tread water as like the fourth team in the East, and Grunfeld trades a first round pick every year, and you never really like hit that upper echelon." No, the, I, the I reason I would be in favor is just is doing the deal just to take our shot and see what happens. I think a boogie uh, in the right situation, boogie could be awesome. I don't know if it's DC. I don't know if Scott Brooks is the right coach for him, but like, I let's roll the dice, man. Come on. Yeah, I just yeah, I'm sold. I, 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 there's there was absolutely nothing wrong with that scenario, Mike. I I don't know what what. Why are you against this? Like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to trade out a porter for him. If you want to give me, if you, if if it's Kelly Oubre in pieces, sure. But I, I just think the boogie is sort of not where the league is going. You know, I, I think. Yeah. I think he's. Uh, we the, the league is going smaller, faster, and boogie has never proven that. Forget the attitude problems. He's never proven that he can stay in shape and be a positive impact player on a good team. Um, so. Look, if the the concept that you're talking about is all fair and well, I agree. It's like you know, it's either like you kind of stuck or you're going for it. And I understand the aggression. And it's when you look around the league, it's important that a lot of teams are going for it. Um, and I understand that, but I just I don't know if Boogie's the guy I want to do that for. Like, I just don't. If you gave me, if you, I know that like I always make this analogy, right? There's like a superstar. It's not like you go to the grocery store and you pick out the superstar that you want to right. trade for on the aisle. I get that. But I just think I would rather be a little more patient and wait for somebody else that would fit better into the modern game and would have fewer sort of personality quirks. And again, I don't know quite who that be. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, quirks. that's not that's not like that's a you know, that that would be the most ideal player that they would get. But that player is not going to be available. OK, but so, here, so here's my question. Then what exactly is the desperation level? Because but we're talking about a one year window for Boogie, given that, um, you know, he is going to be a free agent. And it, it seems fairly clear that the New Orleans situation is probably not going to work out. Um, so one you had one inflection point where you're like, well, would you rather not sign Otto Porter and like try to get him in free agency? To me, that never made any sense. They signed Otto Porter. Fine. Yeah. Um, the next question is: Is are you so? Are you in a position this year? 
And this goes back to the first thing we're talking about, which is, you know, are you playing for this year? Are you playing for a collection of years? Are you so desperate this year where, you know, in the short time window where you can get this player to put you on the next level, is it worth giving up a lot right now for that? And for this player who has his imperfections? And then, and my answer to that would be no, not for him because of all the stuff that he, he is going for. Now, they solidify themselves this year at some level, and then next year it's kind of like, okay, we've hit this level. Now we maybe are tapping against the ceiling. Like, let's let's see what big move we can make to add another right. key player. Then we can have sure. a conversation. And then, then that player doesn't have to be a big guy. It could be like Paul George. I mean, not Paul George, but it could be like that was that possibility as remote as it was this summer appealed to me more because that's like sort of more of a player that can slide in. Then we can talk about, okay, who's the next big name to get? And then at that point, also Porter's contract's a little more tradable. You know, there's more going... As an aside, I kind of wish they just five-year max supporter because I think that would have allowed it, made it easier to trade him th- this year. Totally, but, that's but a that's, that's a different conversation. That's probably too granular for the pod. Yes. But <laughs> them not <laughs> signing Otto outright was really dumb, um, and I'm not sure what happened. I think that but, they they just didn't think he was a max level player. I don't know. To me, it's semantic, but maybe there that was what was going through their heads. But whatever. Well, that's yeah. A, that's a, he was so, always going to get them act from somebody, though. So I just can lock him up for as long as you can. And he's good. Otto's good. I'm not saying – and when I say trade Otto, I'm not saying that he's not great. Um, and I and I also – the boogie thing wouldn't necessarily be for this year. I'm not thinking that, like, the Wizards are suddenly going to go win the East with boogie and then – get beaten by the Warriors in five games and have that be, like, right. the, the peak. But the but, trade window is this year, right? Unless, you know what I mean? Well, I kind of envision it happening, a, a deal happening in either June or July. Well, he's a free agent, um, if, though. If, well, he's so, like, a, a sign-and trade? Yeah, like a sign-and trade. Because they're all of the most attractive options for him are are going to be tight under the cap and they're going to have to I do a deal saying. yeah um, i mean i just like how even in even with the fan cap on mike still has like the practicality skull cap on <laughs> underneath <laughs> yeah i just i just part of I, it, to be emotional i just don't like boogie as a <laughs> there it is. i just don't really want <laughs> to be for him and like, that is go. completely fair That's the other fair. thing too is that okay in in an if we're saying that now that window sort of makes a little more sense to me. If you're saying that this is something that we think about starting next summer, depending on how this year goes, is like, yeah. okay, see, that's why I'm saying like this year, I think, is a year to cement yourself in the rock status. And then mm-hmm. once you do that, then the next time summer is like, okay, let's reassess. What are the chances that if we do absolutely nothing, we can really hit the top of the pile? Right. What are the chances and- that we need to do something to hit the top of the pile? What- and then once we have that conversation, I mean, a lot of people could be available. A lot of stuff could happen, you know. Um, you think so? I don't know, man. You look around the league, there aren't that many guys who are sort of looking for a fresh start. I mean, stuff. Ch- a lot changes in like a year, though. That's true. A lot changes. Yeah. I mean, I, very true. I could like point out, like, what if, like, what if Houston flops and Chris? I mean, I'm not saying the Wizards get Chris Paul, but you know, this would be like sort of another scenario. It's like we're all we're penciling that situation to work out perfectly. Yeah. What about all the OKC people? Oh, yeah, yeah. What about all the? You like, know what I heard. I heard that the NBA is st- – there's still people – teams around the league are still pushing the NBA to keep uh, Paul George out of Los Angeles. Yeah. And that mm. there's a there's a chance that, that, like, he'll be barred from signing there. 
So Paul George would be fun if we wanted to do a, a sign and trade with OKC. But like even then, I would still take Boogie, who is younger and has a higher like Boogie. I think you're I understand people who don't like Boogie. I probably like him a little bit too much, but he still talent wise is one of the 10 most talented players in the entire league. Talent and he's what like way, though. How does he help you win? offensively defensively he could stretch the floor he can put it on the floor i mean like the guy could do literally everything yeah everything yeah i mean i'd rather call george <laughs> okay you you'd paul, rather paul have george paul george about to be 30 though yeah, go, ahead, yeah, Sykes. Exactly. go ahead Sykes. wait they're in the same draft class aren't they <laughs> yeah i was gonna say boogie boogie is like 28 29 so okay. i mean they're, they're they're around the same age right but like i i just think the a boogie trade at this point is is more realistic, no matter what way you want to cut it. Like I, I don't know if there's any real interest um, from Paul George in coming to DC. Um, if, if there was, I, I honestly feel like we would have heard a lot more about it this summer instead of just having John Wall talk about, oh, we should we should go do this. There would have been. <laughs> it was a valiant effort from Wall. <laughs> that was that it, was it a very was. Like, good try. Is trying to speak it into existence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but but no, I'm, I mean, I, I, I feel you, Prater. Like that, Boogie's not wait. the perfect player. It, but wait, I I don't know what you're waiting for, though. That that's that's my issue. Like, I just don't I, think there's a, as much a level of desperation to do it this year, and so I would reassess this summer and you know see how the season goes. By the way, um, Paul George born in May 1990. You're Demarcus correct. Cousins born in August 1990. <laughs> So at least I got that right. Take You're that. right, man. You're right. Look, yeah. right. I, I, it's nothing wrong with waiting. I would just say that the thing I fear most is, as a Wizards fan, like the, we we don't have as much to complain about as we usually do because this team is fun. <laughs> Wall and Beal are great. And Wall and Beal alone are going to be good enough to make – Wizards games a lot more fun than they have been for most of the last like three decades, and and Otto's going to be better. And, but the 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 fear is that look, Wall is only going to be at this level for a handful of years, and let's let's like try to make something of this. Yeah, I, um, I, I hear you. So it, it feels like you guys are, and we we did multiple Oklahoma City Thunder podcasts because. Uh, well, their team completely changed right after we yeah. did the first one. Um, but but the idea there was like this is such an important singular season for the history, I should say for the future of that franchise, the direction they go. It doesn't feel like this is make or break for the Wizards, but like you guys had all, have all touched upon here, it's a solidification season. There needs to be that understanding that this is one of the teams who's an actual contender. And whether that means getting boogie or not, we could debate that uh, forever. I do need to switch topics because we don't have that much time left. And we're not going to okay. be able to give Wall and Beal all of the proper time that they individually deserve. But I want to do the, the quintessential, let's place them as a backcourt real quick. There's always, you know, I've already done it on this podcast. We already talked about where Beal stands in the two-guard position. But where do Wall and Beal collectively sit in the overall backcourt conversation for the NBA? You could make a great argument that they are one or two. You can make an argument that they're one, they two, three, won. or four. They ain't one. They're not okay. They're not. They're not they one because really Golden State <laughs> exists. But ultimately, Golden State they fuck up every one of our conversations because they do exist. Um, but with that in mind, like let's place them, and then I want to put a hypothetical on the back end here for you guys to think about. And we got this. This is a question from Sean Brennan. Which would you prefer? The Wiz reach the Eastern Conference Finals 
or John Wall becomes an MVP talk type guy, a top 10 jersey sales guy. The idea being that it's a step in the right direction for the postseason forward, but I should say, uh, I should say backwards in the postseason, but national attention grows. Um, and oh, I guess the a, comment that is a fascinating question. And the comment he said was, in reality, about. these two are not mutually exclusive, but let's assume that they are in this hypothetical. So oh, that is a great hypothetical. That's a better hypothetical then, than I've come up with yeah. on any show. Yeah, so we appreciate that. Again, that's from Sean Brennan on Twitter here. <laughs> I, and a great question. So, first, uh, it's like you can have the first bat at this. Place those two, and then let me know about your thoughts on this hypothetical. Basically, team success moving backwards in the face of John Wall's individual brand moving forward? Sure. I, I would probably place them um, no lower than three, I think, um, with uh, Golden State, their backcourt one. And I'd probably go Houston, too. Um, even, I mean, I have no clue what they look like now, but like just <laughs> assuming that they're great. Um, and, and then I would go like Portland four, Toronto five. Okay. Um, that's a solid so, ranking, yeah. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that too. Yeah, feel feel free to um, copy that <laughs> if you guys want. No, um, but uh, is Gordon Hayward considered a guard? Uh, no, I, I think he's a four. Yeah, I think, I think he's, he's no, a four. and e- even if he is, I would rather have yeah, Wall and Beal. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, as far as a hypothetical, um, I think I would take MVP Wall or MVP <laughs> conversation Wall. Nice. Over, um, over the Wizards' overall team success, just because, like, I think I, it, it kind of goes back to the question that we asked earlier, right? Like, are they playing for now or are they playing for later? Um, what I, is their I goal? Think, I mean, that's, right. that's why what, I love what it. What is your goal? Do they want to be relevant or do they want to? Is it more important to be relevant or good? Well, is relevance Wall's name being bigger? <laughs> yeah, I think it's yeah, synonymous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it is, but I, I think it it's, is. But it's, we're we're in the hypothetical. I also <laughs> think it. I also think it's important yeah. to phrase it this way because it also. What does the organization actually value more? Yeah. If they had, sure. you know, do they value like sure. kind of being um, a team that we are talking about a lot about and a fun team for a long haul, or they value like winning? And they, they are obviously, if you're winning, you're being talked about more. But I, I do think it's interesting. Would they rather? Build a team that is successful, but maybe not exciting. And would they rather build? Uh, would they rather build a team that is successful and like the byproduct is being exciting, or would they rather build a team that's exciting and the byproduct is they're successful? Mm-hmm. Sure, I, I just kind of see it as this: like, who do other players, who do other free agents want to play with? Right, like they they go to Houston. Chris Paul goes to Houston and mm-hmm. plays with James Harden. Um, Paul George is okay with going to Oklahoma City. For a year, Carmelo Anthony waves his no no trade clause to go play with Russell Westbrook, right? So, like, if if John Wall can be on that level or or at least close enough to it, like the Wizards, I think I think the Wizards will be fine in in the future, no matter what happens this season. Hmm. So, yeah, I guess I guess it's hard to be. So, yeah, go, go ahead, Sharp. My answer would be that Wall is already like speaking strictly as a fan. Wall is already my personal MVP <laughs> and he's so he's so cool. He is so much fun to watch. Like even at Media Day, I had the same thought about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Yep. It's like as as cool as the NFL protests have been, it kind of pisses me off that none of the like actual famous football players are speaking yep. out. And Wall was Wall kept it real, man, and that was great. 
And uh, so just in general, I enjoy, I've enjoyed his time in D.C. so much that I don't really give a shit whether the rest of the country catches on. <laughs> and I think that the country, the national scene will catch up if they actually win. And it's more important to me for them to win at, so that they can attract because now in the NBA, like the trades that go down are so shady that like guys, it's all superstars leveraging their way to teams that they admire. And it, yes, like some of it is related to like name recognition of the stars that are already there, but a lot of it is just contenders. And um, and I think that the Wizards Wall will get hit, will get the love he deserves probably regardless. I think it's coming this year. I think this is sort of the year that everybody gets on the on the bandwagon with him and and Beal being really really good is going to help but um but i would rather they win and i would i would agree with sykes's rankings except to say that at this point in time um houston houston's probably two but i would still i would take john wall this year he's 27 years old i would take him over chris paul uh like in a Mm -hmm. vacuum harden is still incredible but i think wall is this is the year he sort of eclipses CP3 as the second best guard yeah, in the and league. they fit together, which is the important thing, which I think is a very big question for Houston. Sure. Or, like, you know, or those even are, Portland those, in a lot of ways. Yeah, Portland, it's sort of like they don't they they don't fit together and it doesn't really matter because like... <laughs> yeah, we've gotten the answer. <laughs> right, it's sort of like, a, it's sort of like a, they're a nice little cute team. But Houston, I don't know if they're going to fit. I think that's going to be a real challenge to fit those guys in. I think it'll be difficult. But So I would put them two for that reason. And you know that's the synergy that this organization is selling. Is yep. Like you know, which is why it was so funny when they all the stuff about them not liking each other came out. Not funny, but instructive. And I thought it was. I don't know about you guys, but I thought they that was sort of a year long therapy session that began the summer where they were <laughs> like, let's re- let's recognize the problem, let's stop denying it, and then let's sort of like try yeah. to change our habit and go out of our way to praise each other so that it'll start to feel more normal. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that all felt like. Well, it's also, it's a situation where like, I think that it, they really are just two very different yeah. people who approach things differently. And I think resenting one another, was perfectly natural during like a 30 win season or whatever. I guess they won yeah, 40, more than that yeah, yeah, the year yeah. before, but like, it was pretty it was dark and i don't blame either one of them for being for wall being like this dude like plays 60 percent of the games and he's supposed to be better and he just got 130 million dollars but winning sort of solved everything there i think knock on wood i guess the question is was winning the catalyst or was this like guys cut this shit out like work on this the catalyst for winning um yeah that's sort of the yeah i mean they're just I just all I want to say is before I tackle hypotheticals, just I just want think we need to. I've had to pinch myself because this is just like you said, they're just a fun duo to watch. Yep. Like they're fun, they they're fun, they're easy to root for. Like like Sharp said, they're they. I mean, even all the way down to the realness they had talking about Trump at media day with Bradley Beal calling him a clown. Yep, you know, there's a certain bluntness to them 
as a duo that makes it like easy there to understand. There's there's no such thing as authenticity in a multi million dollar brand building sort of league, yeah. but they're about as close as I think you get to, yeah. with a lot of stars. That's a, it's a it's a really great point. Like we kind of make fun of them for giving themselves too much props and being a little too impressed with themselves. But I think the flip side of that is that they are not polished and in in a right. good way and are like look this is how we feel it is what it is and that is great and it's been a lot yeah. of fun the last 12 there's months an or edge so. to them that i think you don't see in this market that i think is important given the history of this market you have to have that um as far as the hypo the hypotheticals i think it's really fascinating because it's sort of like when you're if the goal is to be like in the sort of discussion of the superstar class the cool click that get makes these moves happen right you do need to be both good and and fun and recognizable at the same time and i think it's this is why i think this is your, this is a really interesting question like is it more important to be as good as you possibly can be or to be like a slightly lesser level of good but cool so you look at like oklahoma city um getting mellow to agree to waive his no trade clause like did Mello waive his no trade clause because Russ and Paul George were like the cool, the best combination of players he could possibly play with, hmm. or did he do it because there's some sort of cachet they've built? Are they all Jordan brand? All three? No, I don't think so. Uh, no. Paul George is Nike, just regular Nike. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's I, I, a. I, I mean, it's a tough question. Um, I think, and it's why I think it's a fascinating one because. I think to if you ask the organization, I, I suspect that they would rather Wall have amazing individual sort of numbers and they go out in the second round than for Wall perhaps to be a little disappointing and they go out in the conference finals. Yeah, I could be wrong about that, but I suspect that that would maybe the goals have changed now that they have they are on national TV, however many times they are. And now it's more about actually winning, but I I don't know. I think yeah. that would be interesting sort of question well, outside of the hypothetical world. They are. A you know, intrinsically tied together. There's, there's no way to decouple the success yeah. of John Wall and the success of the Wizards. Um, he's the face of the franchise. He's the best player. Um, you know, it's hard to just. It might be a little harder to say who the third most important player is. You could probably make a good argument for Porter, but obviously, no, there, there. Oh, what, oh, that's actually. A good this question. was another question we had well, here. But so, who, who is the third most important player? But we don't have much time here. So, well, wait, wait. wait I, I, I just want to real quick. <laughs> yeah. Important in the sense of. <laughs> If you put a pie, if you had like a pie chart of like this mm -hmm. person contributes this much to the team's success, it's obviously Porter. But yeah. the team goes as Markeith Morris goes. Interesting. I mean, interesting. I was hoping you would say somebody who wasn't Porter. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing with last year is that like when he played well, they played well. When he was kind of out of it, they were out. Well, of he it. brings an edge, an emotional edge that you mentioned. How there's like a reservation and a, a non-polished way of Wall and Beal in a. In, at least from my perspective, watching them, a, a more reserved um, personality standpoint. Well, Markeith is not that. He brings like the Philadelphia flavor of basketball. You know, you grow up playing in Philly, you have an edge to you. He, he has been nothing short of an aggressive basketball player on the court, unfortunately, off the court at 1.2. Um, but with that in mind, like they oh, did yeah. feed off of <laughs> his. I know, I know. Well, they did feed off of his, um, you know, on the court sensibility of. Um, uh, I'm not going to call it leadership, but it, there's an attitude and reflection of leadership. Uh, not to quote Remember the Titans, but... He's the big brother. That's a big part of it, yeah. And knowing that you got that guy to protect you and that you can, you know, kind of 
you know, build around that sensibility on the court, whereas off the court you do need to have the faces of the franchise speak for the franchise. I mean, both of you guys are there more often than me, but that, that was the most striking thing when I went down there uh, mm-hmm. to cover them last year is just how how important internally he was and how uh, kind of makes you a little nervous, but, um, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, you know, like I, does that, does that jibe that, that idea of he's the most, he's kind of the barometer. Yeah, mo- most definitely. Um, I mean the, the whole death row DC thing was a Markeith Morris thing. Right. And that, yeah. that kind of became the, um, you know, that was the attitude. That was a mantra of, the um the team throughout that that 17 game winning streak so i mean yeah like it both on and off the floor i think they go as he goes he, he's he's kind of the team leader in a sense i want to add that that is totally true um and i also think that that is the best case possible for trading for demarcus cousins hmm. because what? cousins is well <laughs> If look, if you're gonna, if the success of your season is gonna sink or swim and depend on on uh, Markeith Morris, you might as well just go all in with like the elite version of Markeith Morris. <laughs> yeah, but okay, be- but like if Markeith Morris is tur- is like having a crappy game, he's an eight million dollar a year player that you can just not play. If Demarcus Cousins is having like a crappy game, like that's a whole a whole on, another problem. On. Can't. can't- can you can you actually not play Marcus I mean, Morris because I don't see I get it. Like it, you should. Let's put it this way: you should not have to play Marquis Morris. Jason, um, Jason Smith yeah. just which got is really like, sad. Like, so. but like that's where Uber comes in as a really important player. <laughs> is like if he if he can be consistent, yeah. then you don't have to you can lessen the reliance on Marquis Morris. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Well, look, I think I think he's been really good. I I liked the trade at the time, and I think he is the third most important player because. Although it would be nice if Otto changed that because Otto, when Otto played well, he was the, he, either one of them really, they, they like it depended wall and Beal were constants all year. And if either one of them stepped up, the wizards were generally in good shape. And so both of those guys are super important. And I think Otto's success will probably be more sustainable in the long run. But like, Otto was out there, no showing playoff yeah, he had a little bit of a rough <laughs> Like players. that's that's a problem, yeah. man. It's a little bit so rough like players. he needs to. They're the yin and the yang in a way because Morris is the what is sort of more front facing, and Otto is they they kind of need each other to thrive too. If one's off, the other is off as well because mm-hmm. they're so different. Uh, that's called yeah. chemistry. All right, yeah. but Hopefully. that makes that makes <laughs> just. That makes me a little nervous. <laughs> like that, that's sort of that's the Wizards in a nutshell. It's like their their whims sort of. The good and the bad of the Wizards is really summed up in Markeith Morris. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah. That's a that's like a really heavy thing about. It. <laughs> it's, it's a little, a little scary. It's a little scary. <laughs> but look, if you ask anyone who covers the team or is around yeah. the team, they'll tell you the same. Well, thing. A lot of times, the He's most the you know, look, it's the same way. Draymond is the uber version of this. He's not the best player on Golden State, but he is the most important from a, a you know emotional and all that standpoint. And not only that, Draymond's defense is huge yeah. for that team. And when Markeith is locked in defensively, like he was specifically over that two-month stretch that Mike mentioned an hour ago, <laughs> it's like, ago yeah. that, that was the key, man. Yeah. He started playing like one of the better power forwards in the NBA, and that's what they'll yeah. need to, to sort of keep it rolling yeah. this year. Of course, it's good good news. Yeah, I I felt a lot better about this season before that injury. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, 
Well, it's it's a sports hernia, right? So it's not like it's a tore ligaments or anything. It's a surgery that gets uh, replicated often. I know a few people it's have also, had it themselves. It sets up well for for Wall to come in and carry them and play the savior and sort of get that MVP yep. campaign well, off the ground. Look, we just did two solve two problems. Uh, Two pebbles with one bird with one. Pe- I don't know, something like that. Um, here, we, here we go. Uh, Two birds with one pebble. Is that what you meant to say? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel like my dad now, who like purposely screws up analogies just to see if I'm on my game. You know, like it's the same way that like older people purposely screw up foreign athletes' names just for the hell of it. Like the this is a total aside, but the former goalie for the Flyers, his name was Roman Chekmanic, and everybody over the age of fifty in Philadelphia was just like Roman Chekmanic. It was that's, fantastic. That's like Greek freak, though. Yeah, exactly. Well, I still can't pronounce his name. Um, couple quick hitters really? from Twitter. I'm horrible at it, Mike. You know this. It's not that. He's only been in the league for yeah, like six he's years. He's like one of the five best players <laughs> yeah, in the sport that I cover, but I can't pronounce his name. Um, all right. couple quick hitters from Twitter. Everyone here gets like a one-word type answer. We'll go Sykes to Sharp to Prada and then repeat, and then we're going to get to um, the banana boat and the predictions. So the quick hitters from Twitter here. Uh, Evan Rob sent us. This question, Sykes first, then Sharp, then Prada. Which Wizards player is most likely to have a KD-style burner account? Um, Yama Mahimi. What? <laughs> yeah. I, like I, that. I honestly feel like – I mean, have you have you guys – you have you seen the robe, the robe thing? No. No. It's like this? a – okay. So he has like a um, – He's he's into fashion really heavy, and he has like this um <clears throat> this robe commercial. Um, I forget the specific name of the brand that it's for, but like it's it's a really really weird robe commercial, and like it doesn't have much to do with like Twitter or anything like that. But like you kind of have to be like full of yourself to to kind of do that. So like I can see him having multiple Google Twitter accounts where where he's like um where he's looking to see what people are saying about him. Like, I don't know if anybody on the Wizards would, would do that, but, like, if there was a guy, there would be him. See, I actually think the reason I thought this – I feel like none of the Wizards would actually go behind a burner account. they just use their account. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely true. Yeah. My, my answer would be Gortat, yeah. but – you're right that Gortat is just out here using his regular account. <laughs> yeah. So it's but it he would have matter. like a burner account that would be far too close to his actual name. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like yeah. Martin Dorsat, <laughs> well, Dolish Bammer. He's yeah, also <laughs> in the past. He's he's like been out here on Twitter liking various like porn <laughs> yeah. tweets. He has various internet proclivities that lend themselves to having yeah. a burner account. Yeah, so shamelessness uh, in spades. Um, okay, next question here. Um, and this is this is a scale question. So um, on a scale of uh, Kelly Oubre, Kelly Olenek hating each other as a 10, um, or the way that John Wall and Boogie Cousins love each other in the offseason and, and still participate and hang out together, etc., that's the one. That's the camaraderie. 10's hatred. How much do Wizards fans hate the Celtics? <sighs> Oh, 10. 10? <laughs> 10, 12, oh, maybe. Sharp, I know you have some oh. some experience with Celtics uh, fans. Yeah, I'm going to say 8. <laughs> uh, I personally, it's it's closer to a 10, <laughs> but I don't think the Wizards fans are like totally there yet. I hope that this year, adding Kyrie to the mix, who Wizards fans already hated, makes it a lot easier because... 
Isaiah's presence on the Celtics, like it was, it was hard agreed, to root against agreed. Isaiah all year. Oh no, um, it, it definitely wasn't when he dropped fifty three on the head. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but even that, like his fifty three points, that, like that was so cool and yeah. impressive that I was like, hey man, credit to you. If Kyrie is out here dropping fifty three on the Wizards, I am going to be so pissed <laughs> off, and my hate level is going to be at like an eighteen. Last year, Wizards players were at a 10, and Wizards fans were probably at a 7. This year, I suspect the players are going to be like, it's going to be reversed. It's going to be the players are more like yeah. an eight, 7 or 8, and the fans are more like a 9 or 10. Got it. Is, are they Smart your least answer. favorite team, Prada? Uh No, the Sixers are. <laughs> well done, sir. Just just to, just to piss you off. Be, be careful what you wish for, my friend. Who is my least favorite team? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think my least... Opening night, yeah. man. Opening night's going to tear apart. Oh, we, we've circled this many a time. It's funny. Our soccer teams opened up the EPL season against each other, and, and now our NBA teams. Uh, our you know, trash more, soccer teams. Our <laughs> shitty trash soccer funny. teams. I know. Um, I don't know. My least favorite team is whoever is playing a non-entertaining basketball, yeah. and I have to watch it. Yeah. I don't know who. It's just whoever that would be. Well, we can. Get, we already did our like, Utah Jazz, preview. I feel um, like I might not like them this year because they're going to suck the life out of games. Next quick real. hitter question. Uh, okay. Sharp, you start off with this one. Um uh, this is another scale question. So, on the scale of Popovich being that 10, the thing you trust the most in this world, and Alvin Gentry, we'll call him the one right now. What's Scott Brooks to you? Um, he's like a seven. I, I like Scott Brooks. I think they're uh, my the way I think about coaches is that there are like three to five really good coaches and maybe three to five re- really bad coaches. And Brooks yeah. is in the middle, and he's not Randy Whitman. <laughs> So, granted, that's like the lowest bar in the world, but it still feels like a win having him on the sidelines, and that's all that matters to me. Yeah, one thing I kind of grasped when I was there around the team at the end of the season for the story I wrote is that Brooks's impact was a lot more pronounced than I think people were talking about. And I agree agree with you that it's like he's not like the best coach in the world, but this is like a great – I think it's a great fit for his skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the he's they were taught he's just so disciplined and regimented, and but also like kind of has that little all shucks attitude. But like actually, he's kind of a hard ass. He also, I mean, look, it's not an accident that Wall, Beal, I mean, maybe not Wall, but Beal, Otto, Markeith, like all those guys had the best year of their yeah. career last year, and that is a credit to Brooks. I also should say, should add that I ran into Scott Brooks at the dentist um, <laughs> about three weeks ago and had a really cheerful conversation about the year to come. So, I mean, as a guy, he's, yeah, he's, the a, nice, best. he's a really yep. nice guy. Really great. So yep. I would say like seven or eight for this Sykes? team. Uh, six and a half, I guess. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm just kind of irritated by the all bench lineups, but, you know. <laughs> well, he also... Playing Mahindney in the playoffs last year like nearly drove me insane. Yeah. It, it's now been like, six months, and I think we can all settle down, but that was tough. I think you were complaining to me about that during <laughs> game three. <laughs> really bad. I, I was going to save time at the end here to just talk about Andre Blatch, but I'm, I'm not going to do it. Um, that was uh, Congrats. Sorry. Congratulations. All right. sir. Yeah, sorry about that. All right, so um, – Let's get to the, the last two questions here. Uh, we do the banana boat, then we do our predictions. So this is Bullets, Wizards, the history of the franchise here. It's your banana boat. These are not the best players. These are not the, the most uh, likable. Even these are the ones that you want to be on that banana boat with. The three guys through Bullets, Wizards, history, Sykes. 
have first uh, stab at this one? Uh, Gilbert Arenas, Nick Young, and Andre Blatch. <laughs> wow. Easy. That's my That's kind easy. of banana boat. I like this. That's okay. easy. The power team. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, I, first off, love just visualizing those guys hanging out in like a living room somewhere. <laughs> Forget a banana boat. Um, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Sharp? Um, so let me think. I'll say Gilbert Arenas. Definitely. Um, John Wall and Rod Strickland. Nice. I'm, I'm a fan of point guards, and I feel like the four of us could have a good conversation about nice. point guards. Hmm. Mike. See, I, 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 I'm like moving Gilbert off the list now. I've seen his post-playing career and some of that stuff. Social media has no. not been a good no. thing for you. <laughs> I would say uh, George Mirasan was my favorite player growing up. I would want him on there. Nick okay. Young is too, because uh, he's just so carefree and fun and cheerful. Like he he's one of the chillest people you'll ever meet. Uh, and then Rod Strickland's a good answer. Uh, <laughs> Tyro Nesby, yeah, someone. I'm trying to think of the weird ass people we've had in our history. Uh, he'd be an interesting one. Uh, <sighs> this is the first time you got to pick your banana boat. I know. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm too busy to worry about trivial <laughs> things like this. Like I don't know that. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a season coming up. <laughs> you um, don't. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, I'll say Rod Strickland because I, I think that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. No Strickland. one wants Michael Jordan on their boat? Hell no. <laughs> uh, Hell no. I'll give you a guy who I, I believe, and I'm only, I only know this because I'm looking at the Washington Wizards Hall of Fame, and somehow Ralph Sampson is uh, is in it. Uh, he played like one season for the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, look at our history. They ain't exactly much. But anyhow, he seems like a really nice guy, so I've always been a fan of him. Um, and then the other guy would be, I'm a fan of Mitch Richmond. I know he had a, a cup of tea yeah, with the he, Wizards. But he well. sucked in the... I, it's I not about wanna, how good they are. I, I know, that. but like it would I, it would be hard for me to... like. George dis- Mirasan wasn't like lighting the world on fire. No, George Mirasan was awesome. Okay? <laughs> Until he got injured, George Mirasan was quite good. He was very underrated. As an actor, maybe. No, but, he was oh, good. Oh, yeah. Most improved player, 1996. <laughs> Take that. All right, nice, nice. Was it right? I'm nice? very disappointed no one picked Jordan Crawford. Like, Yeah, yeah, Crawford's a good one, but too. But there's, there are a lot of players on the team that have played here that are like, they would be kind of fun. They're kind of funny to observe from afar, but I'm not sure I'd want to hang out with them up close. Yeah, that's fair. Sure. All right. That's, Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to put way too much thought into this after the podcast <laughs> is over because I'm not happy with my Wizards banana boat. I, I mean, leaving Nick Young off is borderline unforgivable. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'll spend the next few hours going over this and I'll get, I'll get something to <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, I was going to say, when, when we like post this, you can give us the revamped uh, banana boat list. <laughs> oh, she, does she count or no? Only one year? She Definitely counts and is definitely yeah, in my banana boat. I'm pretty sure he's now made like seven banana boats yeah, from he our made season the Pistons, previews. Yeah. He made the Blazers. Yeah. He, he kind of made yeah. the Hawks. Yeah. Uh, I don't even need another person in my <laughs> banana boat. It's just going to be an <laughs> all day. That's my answer. <laughs> all right, let's get to the uh, the final part here. We've, we've run a little long and we, we appreciate uh, your time here. Mike Sykes, Andrew Sharp. And Mike Prada now putting his fan cap on. We're gonna start with uh, we'll start with uh, Sharp on this one. Then we'll go to Sykes because I want Prada to be the final word as I get him on the record for the predictions here. Give me a prediction for this season for the uh, for the Wizards. Um, give me total wins and, and where you see the season ending. 
Oh, it's it's pretty scary, man. Uh, I will say, uh, first of all, any anyone who is still listening to this podcast probably needs an intervention <laughs> um, and it cares too much about the Wizards. But I'll say like 54 Whoa. wins and a two seed or a one seed. That's how Ooh. I see this season going. So 54, how 55. Um, uh, conference okay. finals. Okay. Okay. Wow. Uh, six. I Look, it could also be 44 <laughs> and like first round and out. Uh, 54 but. Eastern Conference finals in pen. Sharpie. Sykes. Very, very good. I was Sharpie. going 50. I thought I was living on the edge with 50. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, um, 50 in um, conference finals for me. All right. Mike. I, I, I said 50 and uh, second round on Nate Duncan's podcast. That was before um, Markeith Morris's injury. So I'm now going to say 48, three seed, 4-2 loss to Cleveland in the second round is my head prediction. My heart prediction is probably closer to Sharps. All right. Nice. So, so fifty-four yeah. wins, Prada, and an Eastern Conference final. You're the fan, right? This is. This is <laughs> yeah, but then I have to agree with Sharp. So. No, I'm saying sixty wins. Walls MVP. There we go. Keep it going. There we go. <laughs> they get the one seed. They go to the conference finals, and then in an epic game seven at the Verizon Center, John Wall hits a fadeaway three pointer to take them to the finals against the Warriors. Well. <laughs> Let me ask you. Let me ask you one serious oh, question, no. both oh, of no. you guys. Do you think the Wizards could have beaten the Cavs last year, and do you think they could beat them this year? Uh, no, last year, um, and this year, I, I just I, I can't get a read on the Cavs because of the Isaiah Thomas injury situation, and so you know that's yeah. a tough one. Um, I would say what maybe like a fifteen percent chance this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think they could have. I don't know if they could have beaten them last year, but I really wanted to see them get a crack at it. Well, just they would have done better than the by, Celtics. Let's put I it mean, that obviously, way. Yeah. Celtics didn't really show up for that series, but aside from like one game. But I think it's important to to look at those matchups now without Kyrie, even with you know Isaiah, who obviously was really really good against Washington in, in their series. But we're talking about a guy who might start a season in January off a hip injury. Feels a little a little weird yeah. to me. I could see them having to play a much more difficult playoff schedule to get to play the Wizards this year so that could help the Wizards as well like if they don't take the regular season seriously uh, as they did not care to be the one seed last year but then find themselves playing the Celtics in the second round with the Wizards being the team who's waiting that's a big difference so I'm interested to see how this the problem out. will always be in that matchup who guards LeBron yep which is the yep. NBA's issue Marquise yeah, man Marquise. our most our most valuable player Marquise Morris <laughs> well, now, well, now I'm, now I I'm really excited about this series <laughs> The the only reason I I ask is because I think that they matched up better than people realized with Cleveland last year, and that's still true this year. And I like I would feel more confident if I were used to good things ever happening to the Wizards. Um, so I don't think this will actually happen. But I also I think the the gap between Washington and Cleveland is not quite as big as people think. Like it's not inconceivable. Yeah, the gap between the top three in general in the East could be a lot tighter than yeah. than people expect. And and then ultimately whoever that four is is an interesting variable. Like we'll finish this off real quick. But I know that Prado would love to see Milwaukee get a crack at. Well, not the Wizards. Yeah, I was gonna say please, either of those other two else teams. But the Wizards. That's um, the one team that the Wizards do not match up well against. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But all right, we uh, we will dive into that once the playoffs are uh, set in stone. Like 
a seven months from now. Um, but this was good. Yeah, after the Wizards have won 44 <laughs> games, we can we can dive into that first round book series. Exactly, exactly. But this was great. Um, again, we always appreciate uh, Andrew Sharp, Mike Sykes coming on here. Everyone should go read the great stuff that they're producing that's on Sports Illustrated and here on SB Nation. For also the Open Sharp Floor Podcast, Sykes. which is yep. terrific with yep. open floor uh, our podcast. old friend Ben Golliver. Open Floor Podcast. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm still I still can't yeah, get man. over the top hundred podcasts you guys recorded and Ben just casually <laughs> shooting down was, all of you. It was very very. Here's <laughs> a way of waving you off. It's, that's sort of I love. That's called podcast chemistry. That's yeah. that's the continuity to go back to that word that we look for. We strive for here. Um, and I, you guys should know that when that's we do the Sixers right. preview, I go way further off the rails than Mike just did. I'm I'm like a complete Yahoo. Okay. Um, but it's okay because that's our entire fan base. You guys, super practical, very informative. You guys obviously know your team well and have the pulse of the fan base with the cautious optimism uh, permeating throughout this podcast. Um, but again, we really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, Andrew and Mike, uh, and I and we hope to have you on again sometime soon. Awesome. Yeah, man, it's great to talk to you guys. And Mike, hopefully see you at the Capital One Center, not the Verizon <laughs> Center. And Freda, make it down from New yeah, York, you- man. We're, we're waiting. Bank on it. You can put money on that happening. Yeah. That's a, that's a walk off <laughs> pun right there. That's what that is. All right. Awesome. You're the best. All right. Take soon. care, guys. Until next time, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. <laughs>